Hey guys, this is Jamie. Welcome to this moment. I am so glad that you stopped in to see what God is teaching me in this moment. Hey there. So um, this week I want to talk to you about lots of different things, but I want to start with an update. I talked to you last week about how I have restarted Weight Watchers um, and that journey is going okay. Um, I am liking the new program. So if you're out there and you're doing the new program, I'd love to hear what you think of it. I like it. Um, we've had some stressful days this past week and I have eaten some of my feelings along with way too many cookies. Um, but it is getting better. And I have, I saw how this time around when there was a stressful situation, the eating was not as bad. Um, for those of you who don't know, about 10 years ago, I went through Weight Watchers and I did really well. I lost about 88 pounds, which, you know, if you don't know, that's like a seventh grader. And over the years, after moving and owning houses and ma having to, you know, do maintenance on those houses and driving for work and having two kids, all of that weight has made its way back. Um, it has found me again as if I wanted to be found by it again. Um, but this time, I feel like things are different. I have a different attitude. So here's what I know. I know that healthy eating is an area of slavery for me. It is an area where I am bound up in cravings and desires. Um, I know that God promises freedom. I know that. And I know that I want to be free. And I know that restrictive dieting, counting calories, counting points, tracking things is exhausting. And it is, in fact, living under law. Like, that's, that's what it is. We've set up rules for ourselves. This is how you eat, and you have to live in those rules. But I also know, if you read the Bible, that the law was created to help lead us to grace and freedom and not more slavery. So the law was created to help us learn how to live so that then you don't need the laws because you are living in God's favor anyway. So I am doing this plan. I am following this plan now with the intention of learning to eat well and to listen to um, my body and be healthy, make good choices and not necessarily to be skinny. Um, so going forward, that's where my mind is at with this healthy eating journey. Um, I will keep you guys updated on it. I have currently, you know, with all of that said, it is still hard, okay? And it's hard like I ate eight monster cookies yesterday, kind of hard. It's just there and it's difficult and it's something that has to be faced, but I have lost about eight and a half pounds and I've been doing this for about a week and a half. I am pretty okay with that. I mean, that's pretty good. I, you know, standard weight loss, healthy weight loss um, is like a pound and a half to two pounds a week. And at the beginning, it's going to be more than that because you're really shifting the way that you're eating, the way you're drinking and things like that. So keep that in mind if you are on a weight loss plan and you are not losing eight and a half pounds in two weeks. 
then don't be discouraged. That is not normal. Okay, that's beginning water weight and stuff like that. A half a pound to two pounds a week, I think, is really reasonable. And that's, in fact, what um, healthy eating doctors and plans say you should expect. But I will keep you updated because I do believe that this is a Jesus journey. I do believe that God cares. And I believe I should care. So I'm working on it. And I will continue to share with you what God is teaching me. So podcasts and books this week, I want to share some books with you. I am currently reading or well listening to um, the audio version of Dallas Willard's book, The Divine Conspiracy. Super, super good. The middle section that I'm in right now, he's in the Sermon on the Mount, which lines up perfectly with what I've been reading and talking to you guys about already. Um, I am reading it on Hoopla. Our library here in town partners with Hoopla. So if you have a library card, you can get the Hoopla app and check out, I think, four pieces of media a month. So four books or four movies or, you know, they got all kinds of stuff on there. Four albums that you can listen to. Um, So if you, you know, if you like to read and you like audiobooks or you like being able to read on your phone and stuff, check out and see if your library is partners with Hoopla. It's really cool. The book is pretty dense. There's a lot of dense material, a lot of um, stuff to kind of get through. There's lots of information. It's just, it's packed full of information, but it's so good that it's worth wading through, even though it is a lot of stuff to kind of take in, super packed in there. Um, But I highly recommend it. I do like it. I'm not done with it yet, uh, but I do... I do recommend picking it up. He's got some really interesting points and things to look at. I am also currently reading Pride and Prejudice again because I'm listening to a new podcast. So here's the podcast part. I'm listening to a new podcast called Jane and Jesus. And actually the day that I'm recording this, which might be the day that I post it, I don't really know. The 28th of January is Pride and Prejudice Day. Today was the day that Pride and Prejudice was first published. Um, And... It is a really good book. I didn't think it was a good book when I read it the first time. It was really hard for me to get through. So if you have read this book before and you really didn't like it, give it a second chance. And I also recommend the podcast, Jane and Jesus. It's with Karen Swallow Pryor. She is a um, literary professor. She was at Liberty, she is not now. And I wish I knew where, I wish I could recall where she is now. The first episode was really, really interesting for me to listen to. She talks to another scholar um, who actually is Jewish, not Christian, even though the point of the podcast is to find Christ in the works of Jane Austen. Um, She's starting with Pride and Prejudice, so that's why I'm talking about that now. Um, But her first guest is not a Christian, and I think the perspective is really interesting. She actually compares... Uh, Pride and Prejudice, and Fiddler on the Roof. So if you like either of those, I highly recommend you check it out. The first episode was just top-notch. I really, really enjoyed it. It caused me to go and watch the um, 1995 version of Pride and Prejudice. So Laura Cook, if you're listening to this out there somewhere, um, 
I finally watched it. Laura was our campus minister's wife who was a minister to me so much when I was in college. Um, she recommended the Colin Firth 1995 BBC version of Pride and Prejudice that's like five hours long. And I was like, I don't think so. And then I did, in fact, watch the 2005 version of Pride and Prejudice on the way to Canada for a mission trip. Um, the group that I was a part of, actually the guy that was driving us, um, recommended it. And he's like, I'm going to bring it with me. So we set up the laptop in the van so that we could all see it and like ran the audio through the speakers of the van, not the driver, the driver couldn't see it. We were safe. So Daryl, if you are listening to this, we were safe, I promise. Um, but that's where I first saw it was in that van on the way to Canada. And I kind of fell in love with it. Like I didn't want to admit it, but I was like, I'll never read the book. So then I tried reading the book again and it was really hard to read. Um, but as I have read more and I enjoy reading more, it has become much more enjoyable each time I read it. So I do recommend it. I recommend the podcast, Finding Jesus in the Works of Jane Austen. Finding Jesus in anything. Because you can find him in everything. Because he is the great story. And that's kind of the point that actually the other um, professor on the podcast, not Karen Swallow Pryor, but the other... Um, person there that was speaking she was saying that all of our stories the stories that we really know and the ones that stick with us they tend to be based around the um, the stories of the Bible you know there are good people and we want good people to have good things happen to them and because she was saying how like Jewish literature is very different than that uh, but you know what I'm gonna stop telling you about that you go listen to the podcast because it's really great I highly, highly recommend it. Anyway, I want to move on to what I have been reading and what I've been learning and what God's trying to teach me. So um, I am still in Matthew 5, which I know I've been there for a little while, but I'm in Matthew 5, verses 18 through 20. I'm reading out of the New American Standard, and this is what it says. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until until all is accomplished. Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So that feels really daunting to me. Um, and I think the moment that I'm sitting in right now is a comparison moment. Um, and God's trying to teach me about comparison. I have spent more time on social media lately than I really care to admit. Um, and a lot of that time is spent comparing myself to other people. The problem is that I'm comparing myself to a picture that people are creating of themselves to impress other people with. And that's what the scribes and the Pharisees were doing. They were living a life that was supposed to be impressive to the people around them and not necessarily impressive to God. Um, so that last statement from Jesus sounds really daunting, but then he spends the rest of chapter five breaking it down. So the laws that he goes over 
are murder, reconciliation, adultery, divorce, oaths, non-resistance, and love. And there were laws and sayings, like each one of the sections on those starts with, you have heard it said, or it was written, or the ancients have said, da-da-da-da-da, fill in the blank. And then Jesus takes it a step further and says, oh, but there's more to it. So I want to look at murder, and that's in verses 21 and 22. So Jesus already said, you need to be a be more righteous than the Pharisees and the scribes. And then he says, you have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing shall be guilty before the Supreme court. And whoever says you fool should be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. So, in the Ten Commandments, we see, thou shalt not murder. So, we get the law. But Jesus points us inward. He says, yes, you shouldn't kill people. That's an action. But Jesus makes it about our heart and our intent and not just our actions. So, are we angry with our brother? Are we being contemptible? And it's really, really easy for us to observe the sin of the world and in an effort to feel better about our own sin, magnify what we see as worse in other people. So for example, we say murder is awful and at least I'm not that bad. At least I'm not killing people. But Jesus says, if you're angry and you're being contemptible and hateful in your heart to your brother, it's just as bad, if not worse. And I think about the phrase, you worry about yourself. And I say that over and over and over in a day because I have two children and they are constantly telling me what the other one has done and forgetting what they themselves have done. Um, and I just feel like sometimes this is Jesus as a parent, you know, from <laughs> telling us from God the Father, worry about your own self. Um, and I'll worry about your brothers and sisters. And I, every time I say that to my girls now, I, I kind of feel this like poke on my shoulder from God. That's like, you worry about yourself too. Um, because in all honesty, anger can be something of a struggle area for me. Um, I've had several friends point out to me though, however, that anger is not the issue itself. That anger is a manifestation of other feelings trying to get out. Um, and I think that's really true because if I look at what's really going on, you know, if I'm snapping at my kids or I'm frustrated with my husband, I'm frustrated with the dogs, that, that may not be because of something they have done. It may be because I'm tired or maybe because I feel overwhelmed or maybe I'm disappointed in my own responses to things. You know, like maybe I'm disappointed in my lack of self-control. In which case, in all of those cases, the answer to that is to go to God and say, I need help, but I can't ask for help until I understand what I really need help with. Because it's not just, God, please don't let me be angry. Because I feel like while that is certainly something to aspire to, 
I think the point is that we need to figure out why we are so angry. So when I start seeing anger and contempt creeping up in myself, I think there are a few things that I can do. The first is that I need to apologize for it because I am human and in my anger, I am sure I'm acting out in ways that are not okay. I need to not excuse it away because other things are worse. So I can't excuse away my anger because other people are killing people and I can't excuse away yelling at my kids because other people are physically abusing their kids. My relationship with my family and the people around me and God himself has nothing to do with other people. And I think that that is one of the struggles I have had so much, not only with myself, um, but like in the church in general, I feel like we really struggle with focusing outward instead of inward. I have enough struggles of my own. I don't need to be worrying about anybody else's. And I have enough places where God says there's work to be done in my own heart and in my own life. I don't need to be worrying about somebody else's struggle and effort that needs to be done. That's between them and Jesus. If I'm doing what God has called me to do, then that's all I can do. I have to worry about myself here in this situation. I will say as a side note, though, there are things that I think once you are a part of a body and you have built relationship with people that the Bible does say iron sharpens iron and we are to call out things in each other and help us to be better Christians. I do not, however, think that is something that happens the first time you meet people. I think that is something that happens as you build relationship and you learn who people really are and what their heart is like. And then you can really help each other sift out the bad stuff. Because that, that is certainly not a first meeting conversation. But the third thing I think we have to do is look inward and seek wisdom about the real issue for the anger and the contempt. Uh, because really, that's, that's what Jesus is saying through the entirety of chapter 5, is that all of these laws were set up. And the laws were there. And while they are true, there is more to them than just the law. It's more to don't murder than just don't kill somebody. It's also, where's your heart at? Are you, because really, if we are angry with another person and we spread rumors about them because we're angry, we say false truths or we um, speak very disrespectfully to them or we have arguments with them, while we might not be murdering them, we are definitely um, doing something to their quality of life because they are constantly in battle with us. And I think that's what Jesus is talking about here. What is the effect of our heart on their life? Because while we might not be taking their life from them, we may not be murdering them, in what other ways are we taking life from them? Are we making it so that their life is unenjoyable? Are we making it so that they can't be employed somewhere? Are we making it so that other people don't trust them? You know, are we, how are we taking life? Because really, as Christians, 
who follow Jesus, we're supposed to be giving life when we go to places. So I think that, you know, as you go through chapter five, Jesus points out these laws and then he gets to the law of love and it is the answer to how you live with a heart that is not angry and a heart that reconciles itself to its brother and a heart that is committed to your marriage and the intimacy of your marriage and not seeking it elsewhere. And I just think that all of that is wrapped up in not only love your neighbor, but also love your enemies and pray for them. And Jesus is saying, you don't have to just be concerned about the way that you deal with people you like. You also have to be concerned with the way that you deal with people you don't like. Because if I don't like a coworker and I speak poorly of them to my boss, I may have just, you know, maybe I didn't murder them, but I may have cut off their livelihood because now maybe my boss thinks, well, I don't want to have them as an employee anymore. And I know, I know I've heard the argument about speaking truth. We have to speak truth. We have to tell the truth. We have to love. That is, that is the first commandment. Love the Lord your God is, and love your neighbor as yourself. Like, if we wouldn't tell our boss things to put our job in jeopardy, I'm pretty sure we don't need to tell our boss things to put our coworker's job in jeopardy. We might need to go to that coworker and say, hey, this is not, this is not what we're about here. You know, here's where I see some things that we can maybe work on. And I, I'm, there are definitely times where we have to talk to authority and we have to share things because people are being put at risk and there are safety issues and things like that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about being angry at someone being contemptible to them, and then causing harm in their life that's not murder. But Jesus puts it on the same level. And I just think we have to be really careful about whether or not we take life in situations or we bring life. Because as followers of Christ, our job should be to bring life in those situations. To bring the Holy Spirit and to bring life to the best of our ability. And then we let Jesus handle the rest. So those are my thoughts in this moment as I have personally been struggling with the comparison of my sin with others. And um, as I have been dealing with the anger that comes from maybe other emotions that are going on in my life. And I really hope that something I shared with you today helps you learn more about God and who he is so that you can introduce him to someone else. I love you guys so much, and I will talk to you again soon.